Hi everyone and welcome to Beer and Bants. This is the Christmas episode, which is the last one for 2021. Uh, I'm here as normal, my name's Chris, and joining me this time is Kev. Out the bushes again. Hello. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> that sounded a little bit forced. It did. Uh, right, so we'll go straight into our tried and tested for this episode, which is from Y Valley, and it is Buttyback. Now, surprisingly, you've never actually had this before, have you? No, no, I think I've seen it a few times on cask, but I've never actually tried it. Well, I'll let you uh, have a bit of a smell and a tape while I go through the actual bottle. So it's a premium ale, it's 4.5%. Most people, I mean, especially in the Midlands, but maybe a bit further afield, you may be able to get it in some of your kind of like traditional ale places. But it's, um, body back is a Welsh term for little friend, and this Moorish bottle conditioned brew certainly has made more friends in its time. Crafted from fine ingredients including extra pale marisotta malted barley, butty is burnished gold in colour and boasts a smooth, satisf- satisfying taste. I mean, that's a good start with these, uh, somebody else's teeth in. But yeah, so what's your uh, what's your initial assessment of the butty back? I tell you, it's lovely, lovely and smooth. Okay, so what can you pick mm. up on? Can you pick anything in the aromas? You know, I was, a I was slight, getting like a... It's a slight hoppiness. Um... I can't really pick up anything like fruity or anything. It's just a hop scent I can really pick up. Um, anything else you can kind of pick up? I don't know. In the taste, I thought I got like a slight toffee. Maybe it's from the malt, maybe. Toffee is like from the, the caramel flavour in the drink. drink. Yeah, maybe. Uh... Yeah, so, um, yeah, slight mm. caramelly tone to it. Um, it's, it's more of a traditional style, like English ale. So it's very smooth, it's not overly complex. Yeah, golden in colour is accurate. It's nice and crisp and clear. Um, you get a little bit of subtle bitterness yes. in the aftertaste, but there's so, nothing really that you can define in my personal opinion. Uh, so you say that's a fair assessment? Yeah, so you'd be happy <clears throat> just drinking all day, to be honest. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, there's not really anything different for you, though, is it? I mean, you just drink constantly anyway, that's all you have to do. <laughs> Makes me well, out to be an alcoholic. Well, it's, that's why I'm quite surprised that you've never actually tried it before, really. Yeah, I, it's... I'll try most stuff on cask, but for some reason, I think it's because of the label. I've looked at the label, being dark, and just thought, ah, dark beer. Not thought yeah. anything of it. I think it's more but, along the lines of a yeah, stout or something like that. Yeah, I just haven't yeah. close enough. Yeah, next time I see it, I'll definitely try it on cask. Well, neither one of us are particularly big stout drinkers anyway, always, so I, I mm. don't kind of understand that logic. It did take me a while before I tried it. Um... Like my family members try it all the while, like they really enjoy it. But mm. sometimes you've got to be drawn in, and you're either drawn in by looking at the beer itself, or you get drawn in by the label, don't you? So yes. you know, it, it's one of those ones like, yeah, if there's something more exciting, I'm naturally going to get drawn to that anyway. So, but yeah, so that's Butty Back, always a classic. If you get a chance to try it, or if you haven't tried it before, I think it's a really pleasant drink. Possibly on the similar sort of lines as like Tribute, as I was saying uh, before we started recording. Um, it's that kind of simplistic classic, in yeah, my personal Yeah, opinion. I mean, <clears throat> probably just a bit less bitter than like your Timothy Taylor Landlord as well. Yeah. It's yeah. A, definitely a lot smoother drink. Yeah. Right, so, like you said, it is Christmas. So, do you have any kind of strange traditions that you... Do over the festive period? See, I don't. Try and keep it clean. <laughs> I don't, but uh, Jenny's always had this, uh, my wife, by the way, always had this, <laughs> <laughs> not just this random woman, uh, has always had this um, tradition in her family where when you get up in the morning, there's like a, a trail of chocolate coins leading down to the tree. What, the leprechauns? I don't know. And uh, so from that, we've obviously done it with my son, We've started to do it for him, and uh, yeah, he said he loves it mainly because he gets a lot of chocolate in the process of picking them <laughs> up, going to the tree. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you're like you know giving kids chocolate early in the morning, a you setting yourself up to fail straight away because yep. it's going to be a huge sugar crash like <laughs> fairly early on in the day. But also, what kid is going to complain about that? Yeah, I mean, if they do complain, there's something seriously wrong anyway. Um, yeah, we don't really have anything particularly like set as a tradition just really have yeah santa presents in the morning mm. uh generally have christmas dinner around like between one two o'clock Standard. and then 
on after the Christmas dinner just to kind of break the day up. We tend to do what we class as like under the tree, so it's like presents from other people. Um, That's a good idea. Generally, yeah, it kind of breaks the day up, and it's not mm. really all intense. And you get chance yeah. to play with stuff. Do you do the classic family walk? No, on Christmas Day. <laughs> no, I mean, no. I'm a fat man, of course I don't. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so well, the, the what we class as the under the tree, those are the presents from other people. Um, normally, because they tend to be a laugh. Because being from the black country, you get coal. And a couple stuff. of our family, there's like nutters. So yeah. it's like, what random weird presents are you going to get? So like my personal one, the, the the one that generally offended me when I was like a teenager was soap on a rope. <laughs> Genuinely, not even sure why. Because I actually, look, quite old, looking back now, I'm thinking actually, to be fair, I can kind of understand it. But at the point, it was the most offensive <laughs> present I've ever been given, and I genuinely like went mad. So I don't know why. I'm just one of the people that easily irritated, I suppose. Um, I seem to have got past the stage of uh, the links gift set as well now. Oh, I just, since, just I left my, since, now. I left, <laughs> since I left my parents, I seem to have. Uh, Lost the Lynx gift set for some reason. <laughs> so you offended them, basically. So offended. Everyone needs them. <laughs> well, along the lines of Christmas traditions, there's I actually discovered a Christmas tradition that uh, is based in Ireland that I'd never heard about before, but it sounds absolutely epic. Okay. Uh, and basically, around Dublin, they do something called the 12 Pubs of Christmas. Have yeah, you heard of it at all? No, but I think I can get on board. Yeah, so basically, the idea is that you just go over, like, there's always 12 different pubs that they pick, and you, like, work your way through in one night. But they have, like, set rules, and then they have things that can be adapted for each pub. So the set rules are always, everyone has to have Christmas jumpers. The more outrageous and the more like, embarrassing is the better. Uh, other Christmas-related paraphernalia is encouraged. Uh, you have to have at least one drink in each pub, which is usually yeah. a point. yeah. Um, and then there's one rule, which are the adaptable things that has to be enforced in each pub as they go along. Okay. Yeah, who, who makes the rule up there? Ah, well, you uh, can just decide pretty, like you know, before you start. Uh, However, okay. there's different ones. Right. So some of the ones you can select from are accents. So just putting everyone else speaking like a foreign <laughs> accent. Uh, so offensive. So partners. <laughs> so we have to link arms with your partner and you have to stay linked for the entire duration of it. Right. Okay, so that means if you're going for a, a waz. you got someone yeah, to hold it. Yeah, arm and arm. No swearing, which I can imagine early on, not too bad. Pub 11 or 12, that's going to be really yeah, hard. I think that would get quite difficult. No pointing. Oof, I've tried that at a Christmas party <laughs> before and it's actually quite hard. <laughs> yeah. No talking. So... <laughs> People remember, just think you're so weird. Yeah, but remember, you've got to go through and try and order a drink without talking. That's all right. Uh, well, it depends on the pointing rules involved as well. Cause exactly, yeah. So, oh, no, that's one rule per oh, book. Yes. So, again, and there's no orders, no set yeah, things. Yeah. So. Also, no first names. Right, yeah. So you have to refer to each other's like surnames. <laughs> Speaking song. So you have to sing everything rather than just talk. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, no talking to the bartender. <laughs> which I can imagine for the people behind the bar really pisses them off <laughs> um, how'd you order a drink? <laughs> with great difficulty uh, no toilet breaks oof yeah which I can when imagine later on sale, exactly uh, opposite hands so if you're right handed you use your left vice mm. versa uh, it's one of my possibly my favourite one call the barman Guinness <laughs> just basically <laughs> confuses the hell out of them. So, I'll have a you know, pint of lager, please, Guinness. <laughs> you can imagine, if, if people behind the bar are quite, you know, really run off their feet, that's going to be really irritating and really confusing. Yes. Um, no phones, yeah. which I actually think would be quite good, personally. Yeah, that probably would be. Yeah. If you're on the phone, I think you're doing something wrong in that type of scenario. Uh, hold your drink. You're not allowed to put the drink down at oh, all. Right, okay. Uh, this one is a bit weird swap shoes so you have to swap shoes with somebody right which if you get someone similar size shoe to you I can imagine being not so bad however if there's quite a big size difference I can imagine that being quite awkward for the pair of you because you're not going to yeah that that or you having to swap with the guy you know he's got stinky feet oh sweaty feet no no. you don't don't want them Uh, hug a stranger that's another one (laughs) and then uh 
basically, if you, you you predetermine those rules before you go out, so each pub will have a set of rules, so you have to abide by that. And then if you break the rules, uh, some of the forfeits you have to do is like do a shot, uh, buy the person who spotted you breaking the rule their next drink, or buy a drink and complete the pub as per rule. So basically, you restart again. Right. So, so you can imagine if you keep getting pissed and keep breaking the rule, you got no. Exactly. Chance. So if you're breaking the rules like pub number four, <laughs> as you get more and more drunk, especially if you keep on bu- buying more and more drinks and resetting yourself, not it's not going to end well. Not going to make it. You're probably going to end up in a gutter. Let's be yeah. honest. Yeah. Covered in your own like vomit or feces, <laughs> depending on how it goes. Uh, but yeah, so that was just something it, as a like bit of a tradition. It just seemed like interesting. Yeah. I mean. it's it's almost like Ring of Fire on tour, like the game Ring of Fire. I know it's got lots of different names, but uh... I played Ring of Fire once. I was too drunk, so I broke the ring. <laughs> I lost apparently. So Obviously that has <clears throat> different forfeits for different cards, and well, know what we're doing next year then. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one thing I don't like about drinking games is it slows me drinking. Yes. So, like, there's too many things where you have to go through the rules and stuff like. That. In the meantime, by the time somebody's drank one drink during the drinking game, I've normally drank about four. So, I mean, I'm not saying I'm an alky or anything, it's just... I know, you're bringing yourself into it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's just more the case of, you know, I just don't like playing drinking games they bore me. So, yeah, well, the try and test you for that episode, for that episode, for this episode, was brought it back, <laughs> starting really well. Uh, so, moving on to the Peter Falk for this episode, which is picked in particular for the uh, flavour profiles... It's actually one from Northern Monk, and it's part of their patrons program. So this one was called Homebrew Heroes Within and Without. Uh, so this one is a raspberry and hibiscus double IPA, eight percent in volume, and it's got uh, Citra and Idaho Seven, raspberry, hibiscus, cinnamon, and vanilla. So I'll pick this one because with the cinnamon and the vanilla, there's things that you naturally associate with Christmas. Well, I do anyway. Vanilla. Yeah. What's Christmas here about vanilla? I'm doing all sorts, aren't they? Like <laughs> cakes and drinks and all sorts. Mm. I do. Well, I <laughs> didn't ask you to agree, did I? You know, just turn up and drink my beer. But, um, well, for that, because it looks absolutely horrendous, I'm letting you go first. I, I quite like the colour. I thought it was a sour when you were pouring it, to be honest. Well, it's a double IPA, 8%, with the colour of a sour. It's definitely going to be an interesting one so as i was pouring it it's very much like a deep red color probably simply say more like a blood orange kind of colorish um that type of like there's a like a san pellegrino which is like that type of color as you pour it obviously it's not it's lovely is it Mm. i say you're sitting there with quite a smug face holding Mm. the glass in the air i'm looking at the color it's lovely (laughs) i'd love to to make a beer with this so oh here we go Right, so as an analysis for flavour profiles, what are you picking up? Um, okay, because you're getting a bit confused. Vanilla. I will say there's not actually that much on the nose of it. I can pick up a little it's bit of the vanilla sense, um, but um, for an eight percent, it doesn't seem to be giving much away from the glass. Um, you definitely get the raspberry. No. Honestly. It's bright red for a start, so I'd, I'd <laughs> hope it tastes a raspberry. Is, is, is that your full analogy? Yeah, well, it's raspberry. Wow. <laughs> okay, so I just had a quick swig because... Because I'm terrible at picking stuff out of a beer. Utter crap. It's a good job you don't brew your own beer, isn't it? Um, yeah, so for me... There's, uh, no, the cinnamon, that's what I'm tasting. There's slight creaminess to it. Um probably the combination of like the vanilla and the raspberry they're two prominent flavors that mm, i can pick the, up the probably However, is, probably with, frozen fruit in it haven't they with the aftertaste that's i can't i would love cinnamon so i can't really pick up the flavor of the cinnamon however that it's kind of that warm spiciness at the back kind of something you get like with a mulled wine do you know what i mean yeah you've no. got that light little tingle so i wouldn't even say it was um eight percent no it it is absolutely deadly because yeah, you 8% drink. you would drink that like it's pop. Absolutely. And before you know it, your legs don't work and you're breaking <laughs> into your neighbour's house because you got confused where you're living. Um, yeah, honestly, but, it just doesn't taste anything like an 8%. I can't believe it. <laughs> I, I love your analysis of things. I forgot well. how uh, 
shit they were. <laughs> right, so... <laughs> yeah, so that one's the patrons, but that's like... I was naturally drawn to it because of the hibiscus. I don't think I've actually had anything with the hibiscus in before. Uh, and because of the different flavour profiles, it just looked intriguing. And I thought, for this time of year, it just seems perfect to me. And it's actually... A, it is a very, very pleasant drink. Very, very dangerous, though. I will warn yeah, you before you dangerous. start. Right, so... Bit of a subject that I was going to get your opinion on, which is quite funny because I knew you'd love to talk about it. So when I asked you about your opinions about what subjects you could talk about, the first thing you said was this one. I mean, I, per- I managed to uh, shove it on just to keep you a bit of a element of surprise. But Formula One, get lost. <laughs> Genuinely, <laughs> you hate Formula One, then. I mean, to be honest, I'll be quite <laughs> honest. I'm not a massive lover of Formula One. I grew up when Formula One was good. So I watched the likes of Ayrton Senna, uh, mm. Damon Hill, David Coulthard, Mika Hakkinen, you know, Michael Schumacher, Johnny Herbert, Eddie Irvine, Rubens Barrichello. Like, that was my era. I loved so what, it. what do you like about it now? I stopped watching it when they removed refueling. Right. Because for me, they removed it. It then basically made racing dull. There was no element to... Um, the change I was being particularly, you know, exciting. So then they started messing with the tyre compounds, so they naturally just fell apart in order to create drama that yeah, wasn't so they really have, there. They have and changes. that was when I lost interest in it. And I then switched to the motorbikes, which, to be honest, I much prefer anyway. Because of yeah. the whole hype of everything that's been going on over the last couple of races, mm. and... Let's face it, there's not really much to do at the moment because, you know, impending lockdown again. Um, I have been keeping on top of the actual races and I have watched the last four. Um, yeah. I think everybody know, now knows that Lewis Hamilton got pipped on the last lap. Um, Max Verstappen uh, won the championship, stopping Lewis winning yeah. a record eighth title. Yeah. So I was kind of actually more intrigued about what you're, as a genuine fan who watches it all the time, what was your take on the way? Because there's obviously been a lot of con- like controversy about the way in which it ended. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, Formula One probably hasn't been its, its peak for a while now, but this season, because Verstappen and Hamilton have been so close, it's been there's just been so much more excitement. I mean, like not even the last race, the previous one to that, obviously. There was the whole thing about, I think Verstappen had to give back the place to Hamilton like yes. twice or something, and okay, so Hamilton they, went into the back of him, and it, it was it was aiming to give back a place, and then instantly to yeah. like was trying to overtake, so he could instantly gain it back, say given it, and then fight for the position again, but then he didn't, it wasn't communicated well, and the communication hadn't gone from the stewards to. Mercedes mm. to then relate to the driver. Yep. So Hamilton and Garcia what was happening went to finally pull out and then uh, it broke his front wing and then it all kicked off again. And blah, I blah, believe blah. Uh, Verstappen was found to have brakes at the point when Hamilton went round. So he did. He did. Well, I think they got a they fine. Call it, and they call it brake checking, don't they? You know, you got a time penalty that didn't matter because they were so far ahead anyway. But um, yeah, I just. For them, for me, that race was all over the place. For the stewards, it must have been so difficult. But it was just though he was trying to get him to pass him just before the DRS zone, so that, like you say, once he went past him, he would have had the DRS and could have got straight past him again. Yeah. But I, I personally think Hamilton knew what he was doing, saw the DRS line, and was like, "I'm not passing him before that." Yeah, of course. Well, well so you don't become a seven-time world champion by. Yeah. Not playing the game, do you? You know, so and then the last race, obviously, more controversy. Like, should they have let the? Whole, I, I understand now, looking back, like when I watched the race, I was like, Hamilton's been done over here, blah blah blah. But then, looking back, I feel well. Now I feel that they just did it so there was a race at the end, and I understand that. As somebody who watches numerous different other motorsports, so I do watch motorbikes, but then I also watch the likes of NASCAR mm. and uh, Extreme E, Formula E. I actually prefer Formula E to Formula 1, ironically enough. Um, I haven't watched much of that. It's, 
basically nobody gives a shit, so they just ram each other. So it's far more carnage. It's, it's basically it's like Formula One used to be. Okay, it's, it's, it's worth worth a blast. I might, I might. But um, yeah. So the one thing I don't understand about Formula One. So Formula One is supposed to be the pinnacle of motorsport yeah. and the pinnacle of engineering when it comes to a car. You should not be able to talk as a team principal to the stewards to influence their opinion. Mm. For me, that is a flat no. Stewards should be relaying information to the teams, and it's one-way traffic, and that is it. You should not be able to talk to them and start messing. That's where this has gone wrong, mm. because the communication... That's what I did find irritating on that last race, because at one point, it was like, yeah, we're not letting anybody on lap. That's fine, but then whispers in the rear. Christian oh, Horner called them and was like, well, yeah. Demi Scott right here. Why aren't they going past? Blah, blah. But then again, only let half the cars go. So they bunched up rather than the full lot. So you're like, well, at yeah. what point is... But is the, it, there obviously it, must not have been a rule that says they couldn't do that. Otherwise, because they... Well, apparently it. there is. So that's the reason why they were kicking off and going to go for a tribunal. I think in the end they just dropped it because they just wanted to draw a line under it and move on. But no, in, no, in no other sport would that be allowed. However, yeah. if you want the season to finish racing, I agree with that, but then you should have more than one lap. So in NASCAR, mm. for example, if you're under a safety car, you have a two-lap shootout. Just to give you... So you, you get a, your first start, obviously everybody sets in, then you, you know, your final last lap battle for the end. So there's no reason why they couldn't just add a couple of laps mm. on the end. If you're in a safety car, you're saving fuel anyway, or you should be saving fuel. I and mean, if you're not, that's just bad driving. You shouldn't. That's your problem anyway. Yeah. So there's no reason why you couldn't. If it comes to that last lap, you're like, cool. Three lap shootout. I still don't think he would have actually uh, would have helped him just because he was on. Well, no, tires. but at least it makes you but, feel yeah. fair because it's a proper racing scenario yeah. rather than. I mean, at the end of the day, it's ultimately down to decision whether you win or lose or a championship. But I, for for me, it just seems like Formula One has kind of lost its way a lot. Political. The, the, you should not be allowed to influence any stewards. Stewards mm. are there for safety and to enforce the rules. And there is no way any team principal, I don't care what team principal, I'm not a fan of any team or anything or any driver, they should not be able to contact them. It should be relayed out and that's it. If you've got a problem, you come after the race. But I will say at that final race, Hamilton went and shook Verstappen's hand and Christian Horner's. You know, but, he, did, he was, whereas the race before when Verstappen lost, he wouldn't even go on the podium. He just went on, got his drinking trophy, walked off. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a massive fan of Lewis Hamilton. I remember, I was there when he was like watching it when he first entered the sport and Alonso was his uh, teammate. Um, yeah. He's always kind of had that, I've got something to prove chip on my shoulder, mm. which some people will like, some people won't. You know, It's all personal preference. I personally really don't like Max Verstappen. I just I thought his attitude was wrong about the what like you said about certain mm. things. The sportsmanship. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's a sport, and I just, it felt nasty. Mm. And you know, it, it, in lots of other sports, you can have challenges, you can have run-ins, and you can walk up, start punching each other in the face. That's just part and parcel of what the sports are. But you do it with dignity. Do you mm. know what I mean? If you have fisticuffs, cool. Next race, it's all forgotten. Shake hand. Even if you hate each other, it's still a, a, you know, a good sh- showmanship for fans, isn't it? Absolutely. And that, and I think that's one thing that has, was really lost in this particular championship. But I say that's my personal opinion. Yeah. Nobody else's, and that's, that's all I can ever give. However, have you actually watched any Extreme E yet? No. Okay, do you know what Extreme E is? I know what Formula E is. It's the same thing, I presume. <laughs> <laughs> no. So no. Formula E essentially is just the electronic version of Formula One. Like I said, it's people who've been Formula One drivers, stuff like that. So like uh, Sebastian, uh, Wendy, and someone else like that. is going into it this year. I can't remember who it is. Uh, but yeah, Formula E, I actually quite, find quite fun. But it is essentially just a bit more feisty version of Formula One because the yeah. cars are a bit closer. Right. Um, Extreme E, that's completely different. So Extreme E is. It's two things. So it's a bit kind of like Rallycross. Well, no, no, it's a bit more like rally, but in fully electric vehicles. Uh, and it's two things. A, for the racing, but B, to also highlights the environmental impacts that we're having. So they purposely go to extreme areas where environmental 
uh, right, like been impacts have been mm-hmm. damaged to highlight the issues. So uh, last week was actually in Dorset because of the um, biodiversity issue that we have. Because obviously, like again, less unless Greenland and stuff like that. Right. They've been to the Arctic Circle. They've been to the desert because the desert's warming up. You know, so it's one of those things that actually, as a sport, it's fun to watch because they are a bit mental. It's got that proper rally vibe. And because the cars have got such a limited battery life as well, yeah. essentially they do like three lap shootouts. So they haven't got to save the battery or anything like that. It's literally just full hammer. Yeah. So three lap shootouts. You have a male and a female driver and they both have to race. Mm-hmm. And they alternate who does two and who does one, depending on which race it is. Because lap shootouts, like literally they watch the one race, then like, <laughs> the start line's like quite wide and it goes literally to one narrow channel and two cars like fighting for the same space didn't end well so the back end of the one car come flying off and then like the front end of the uh, third car was damaged and as it come to like a jump <laughs> as the car launched you literally just saw the whole front of the car just come flying up hit oh the windscreen God. and like from inside the cab you couldn't see a thing you're like so hold on a minute I'm doing about 80 miles an hour over a jump can't say a thing. As soon as it landed, fortunately, the front of the car just fell off. But, oh. <laughs> but like, yeah, it, it's really, it's actually quite an exciting setup the way it does. Yeah, um, well, the couple of teams that have been um, like set up by you got the Jensen Button set up a team. Uh, yeah, Lewis Hamilton, okay. Nico Rosberg, um, like, who is it? You got Chip Ganassi from the NASCAR series. Um, well, they're just like the team, in a sense, the team principals or whatever. Yeah. They don't race in it. No, they own the teams. It's crazy. So, um, like in Lewis Hamilton's team, it's got like uh, Sebastian Loeb, who I personally think is one of the greatest drivers of all time. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, like pretty much unstoppable in the rally stages. You know, I mean, that obviously he's a much older man now, but his skill level yeah. isn't any less. Um, and the, the actual uh, ending was the top two teams were level on points but the Rosberg team won the championship because they won more like more races yeah. because of the extremity of it like you know the, if you have a puncture or something like that you've literally got drivers climbing out the cab with, with um, like portable drill just taking the bolts off <laughs> whacking a new like tire on drive no it's it's, it's, a, it's like it's got that real extreme rally vibe to it but with short sharp races so thinking like kind of like a rally version like Speedway do you know what I mean? It's, it's that kind of element to it. Yeah, but it's, it's if you haven't tried it, it's yeah. definitely worth a, a blast. What's it on? Um, well, actually, it was on BT Sports, Sky Sports Mix. So the oh, free one. So oh wait, I got the mix one. Yeah, so it's been on okay. that. Um, it's been on ITV. Okay. So actually, there's things you can catch up. So if you actually want to, I mean, over the Christmas period, let's face it, first couple of days will be banging, and after <laughs> that, it'll be utter dog shit for a week. <laughs> so if you've got nothing else to watch. You know, yeah, whack I, it I might, to be honest, definitely. Sounds really good. I personally enjoyed it, but um, again, it all depends on you know, what type of stuff you're into, but anything with an engine, for me, I'll quite happily watch. Mm. Give me anything to try. Steady. Easy. Oh no, you've had a couple of beers, mate, but it's, <laughs> uh, let's not go down that route yet. The night's still here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're not. Uh, right, so... The Patrons Project one was the Peter Falk for this episode. Very, very pleasant, very enjoyable. Fruitiness, very, very subtle bitterness. Uh, I personally think it was a well-rounded drink, and I think perfect for this time of year. Would you agree? Yeah, really surprised me. Okay, so, moving on to Around the World for this episode. So, this is called Pirat, which is a triple-hopped Belgian beer. So it's 10.5%. Uh, trying to kill me tonight. <laughs> I mean, yeah, nobody's walking after this, let's be honest. Uh, I would read the blurb on the back, but I don't speak Belgian. So, yeah. <laughs> the reason why I kind of picked this is because normally around this time of year, a lot of people do any boom, like booze cruises over to like Belgium, France, that type of thing. Fill the trunk full of beer, back home, and that's your Christmas sorted. Obviously with the... Uh, Never ever ending virus. Um, mutating and mutating. <laughs> People can't do that. So we thought we just could be a bit of a subtle nut to uh, those type of cruises. So yeah, so Pirat 
can't remember if I actually had a pirouette or not. I don't. I've definitely had. Have I had a quadruple? I've had. A, I've had one triple, I think. Um, but yeah, Belgian beers. For me, you're either a lover of them or you hate them, and you're a hater. <laughs> find the dream by your face. Um, um, yeah, I'm not. Uh, probably not the biggest fan. Personally, for me, I'm not a big fan of them either. However, there is the odd one that is very pleasant. So, you know, it'll be a swing and a miss, or it'll be an absolute triumph. <laughs> so, what are you getting on the flavour profiles? Oh, yes, me. Okay, so, on the aroma side of it, I'm not really picking anything up apart from the alcohol. <laughs> That's what I'm worried about. Like, literally, that is, I can I can smell the alcohol as I'm... I'm the scent, but there's no real hops or anything to it. I'm really picking up. How about not, yourself? I don't know. I thought I can get kind of like maybe like fruity kind of notes from the smell. I think that might be from the previous beer. If I'm completely <laughs> honest. Um, the uh, the raspberry or whatever the raspberry. Yes. <laughs> oh man. You're only halfway through, and if you're uh, struggling already, then it's not it's not a good sign, is it? Really. So yes, um, so I've had a quick swig. Uh, it doesn't taste 10.5. I will give it its due. Um, it's a typical Belgian-style beer, so it's golden in the colour. Very There's a, a subtle tinge of like the wheat flavour. Yes. Uh, but not particularly overpowering, like you can get on some of the other ones. Um, yeah. Not heavily carbonated. It's overall quite I'd say pleasant. it's been the most carbs that we've had so far. Like the most head. We? Pardon? <laughs> Put your sack away. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, but I don't, I'm not picking, it's a, for me, that is a, a stereotypical Belgian Yeah, ale. I, don't, I don't think it's, I don't think, they've probably just used like hops to bitter it and then it's reliant on the malt flavour and I think that's why we're getting the wheat. Well, they do, they generally do use wheat in these type of beers. Not a massive amount of it. It's just a normal Something I generally add to them. I'm not really sure why. Probably something to do with it. it. Don't hate it. Oh no, I've definitely had a lot worse than that. <laughs> Would I run to have another one? I'm not overly sure. But as though. as a beer, mm-hmm. it's very pleasant. I don't know why I'm pretending to read the back of the bottle. I can't read anything. I mean, I didn't think you were brave anyway. And the fact it's in a foreign language, so it's like <laughs> pretty much rules you out, doesn't it? With that, uh, yeah. you know, brummy education. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> You couldn't read it either. Well, I mean, I'll have a go. Go on then. Yeah. No. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, there's not really much else you can kind of pick up from this, is there? So, shall we just move on? I think so, because there's not really a. <clears throat> yeah, like I say, there's nothing to really pick up. Well, the last kind of thing I was going to talk about, going back to more of the Christmas vibe and away from the sports, because sports are very much hit and mix, like hit and miss, sorry, with the uh, listeners. Back to Christmas. There's lots of different things that you can kind of get around this sort of time of year, can't you? So you can go to specialty themed places in the UK, or there's like loads of different like kind of wintry uh, holidays you can get under normal circumstances. Um, so my kind of question to you was, if you could go like what if you could go anywhere abroad and kind of have a lot of, a special winter Christmas experience, what other places would you look at? Florida. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Hawaii. I don't know. I'd like to go for I, a warm Christmas. I've never done that. So why don't you just go to Australia when you go a barbecue on the beach? I don't know. Australia. I know, I know you're going to say that they're not everywhere. I, I just There's too many things that can kill me. I mean, to be fair, there's something that can kill you in this room when you're still here. <laughs> so, you know... I, <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a long way to go for Christmas, isn't it, Australia? It depends on how long you go for, really. I mean, if you do something like a, a three or four week set, then... Yeah. yeah. Especially if you're talking around the Christmas period, because you mm. can easily manage it. So you've got two weeks of holiday from the one year, two weeks of holiday from the next year, and just whack it in. I suppose, like you say, barbecue on the beach is quite tempting. So my sister-in-law is currently over in Australia and has been for the last couple of years. Very nice. Um, like she absolutely loves it over there. Uh, she is coming back, but I think if it doesn't 
things don't kind of work out over here. She'll be back over there within the you know, space of about six months. But, She'll uh, come over here and go, oh, where is still shit then? Oh. Well, that's, that's okay. It's not a bad that, idea. Is that allowed? Okay, so, yeah, it's so. fine. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I've said it numerous times on this, this recording alone. So, well, okay. yeah, it's one of those ones where it all. Um, Australia, there's positive and negatives in there. So, I mean, A, if you love a mullet, you're well in. But uh, generally, it's more of a case of it is a bit more restricted about what you can do. They're, they do clamp down a lot more. But then again, flip side, less people, bigger place, a lot more open expanse, yeah. generally better weather. So, you know. If, I mean, the stuff I'm worried about, I suppose, as long as you stay in the cities, you're not really going to worry about it. Well, it depends on what you worry about. The Black Widow, whatever. It's a spider. Yeah, I know, but it can kill him. Well, I suppose, I'm, they're probably more prepared for it over there. They've probably got like mm-hmm. antivenom and stuff like that. Yeah. All sorts. Yeah. What happens if a, a snake bites you? What happens if you're not that. paying attention to the crocodile takes your leg off? I mean, <laughs> if you do that thing, you could walk out of here and get hit by a bus. For me, I'm very much one of those people. There's no point worrying about it. stuff. It's going to get you. It's going to get you. So, crack on and enjoy yourself. That's generally more mine. That spider is. You can get like that camel spider. That's it. They're like flipping. I'm not a massive fan of spiders, and they're like as big as a dog. I mean, a little bit, maybe a chihuahua, but that's yeah, not a dog anyway. Really. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, for me, if I was going to do something around the kind of winter idea, I would want to go in like proper winter. Okay, what well, like Iceland does? Yeah, Iceland. I've Get always been. Um, I've always been massively intrigued by. It's um, got to take the loan out. That's all. Oh, yeah, I'm, one of my closest friends have been. Um, they absolutely loved it. They said it mentally expensive. Yeah. But loved every single second of it. Because so it's just got a, no choice, you there, It's right? just a nice quality of life. And, you know, yeah, when you go there, it is more chilled. There's beautiful scenery. There's so much you can do. And you're like, I mean, was it over 95% of the whole population lives in one city? So you've got a whole island <laughs> pretty much to just go and do whatever the hell you want. It's, so, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. Um, some of the other places... Uh, Sweden is one that can like kind of pop up because they've got the, the woodlands like further up north and so that's yeah, the northern I, I probably, wouldn't, probably wouldn't think of Sweden to be fair but I've yeah. been to Sweden wasn't massively sold on it no. um, it was nice but it was just it was pleasant and that is about it what about Norway I'm very intrigued with Norway I do want to do Norway uh, my wife has been she's done a cruise uh, along the Norwegian coast mm. um, which ironically enough was supposed to be her friend's honeymoon but after they got married the husband and the wife had a massive fallen out so my wife ended up going on a honeymoon with her friend wow <laughs> across Norway <laughs> so very lucky her top quality choices <laughs> there wasn't it um, yeah <laughs> say no more on that one um, yeah. but yeah Norway's again very very expensive uh, but I was watching a program. I think it was on Channel Five. It was like Christmas Cruise, mm. and it was like kind of showing you that they some of the uh, boats going through the fjords. But as it's frozen, the boats ba- the boats basically acting like an icebreaker. So it's breaking the ice as you go through. And it just awesome. looks absolutely stunning. Looks absolutely beautiful. My, as in my wife's parents did a Alaska, and the amount of pictures and videos they got, and you know. Just watching them going, you absolute! <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I wish I was there. <laughs> Obviously, again, cost a fortune. It's I've got to be honest. Alaska was never appealed to me. Is it not? No, it's cold. I would do. <laughs> it was a cruise, but yeah. I'd do Canada. I've Canada's always wanted to do Canada. Well. Yeah. Um, especially being a massive ice hockey fan. I mean, Canada's got to be your place to go, isn't it? So Canuck, the Canucks. Have I said it, that wrong? Is that the only team you know? Yes. <laughs> mainly, mainly because that's who my cousin supports. <laughs> so out of all the you know legendary teams inside uh, Canada, the one you can mention is the Canucks. Yeah, well, she's from Vancouver. I, I kind of assumed as much. Yeah, well, so, you, you know. You wouldn't pick the Canucks for any other reason. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, Montreal Canadiens, um, Edmonton Oilers, Calgary Flames... Uh, yeah. Ottawa centres they're like hockey is instilled yeah. into their like their way of life literally when hockey's on the telly a whole country stops mm. <laughs> and just watches hockey genuinely I mean it's one of the things it's a stereotype that people go oh you know 
oh, they always eat donuts and stuff with hockey, but it is genuinely a thing. Do they? I've never heard they eat donuts. What do you mean you've never heard they eat donuts? That's the whole... It's like literally the biggest stereotype. I thought it was just the police that that stereotype. No, that's America. <laughs> two two different countries. Yes, let's not, <laughs> we do have American listeners. Let's not offend them straight away. Sorry, yeah? sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Just offend the Canadians. Is <coughs> yeah, so American policemen eat donuts. Generally, Canada as a whole I thought we weren't donuts. offending them. Oh, jeez. Right, so, but yeah. One of the other places I actually really intrigued in going to is Finland. Nice. Now, I do know some people have been there because they actually do a proper Lapland setup, don't they? Oh, right. Um, they did a, I think, was it Gordon, Gino, and Fred? Um, <laughs> yeah. Like they did God, a, I love that show. Oh, it's brilliant. Uh, they did a special Christmas trip, which mm. I think was around in Finland because they did the whole Northern Lights thing and uh, Santa's Grotto and that type of thing. Yeah. I know people who've been there on like, a special like trip for it as well. Um, and every person has said it's absolutely stunning. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think sort of the things. I, I think the extreme cold, but combined with the ambience of the Northern Lights, the Christmas vibes, mm. having the Santa thing. For me, it's just it's one of the things. It's got to be an experience that oh, I think most people need to in, like experience at some point in their life. A whole new feel to it. I, th- I think for me, it's got to be like it's kind of like a bucket list. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, from I would want to do. Australia, I want to do um, New Zealand, I want to do Canada, but then again, I do want to do some of the extreme cold, you know, take my kids to go and see Lapland, to see Santa there and there, with the elves, blah, 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 blah. I think it's just something that, it's a special thing that will make memories for a whole lifetime. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, I think, yeah. I think I'll wait till probably my son's a bit older or something and then... Well, 30, so I, don't, I, don't remember, I don't remember anything when I was that young. <laughs> you don't remember anything, no? I know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, Dora the Explorer. Is that what it is? <laughs> Dora the... Where did that come from? Oh, apparently you've uh, triggered the... Uh, Oops. <laughs> internet device. <laughs> My mistake. <laughs> no, no, that's Dora the Explorer. I was getting mixed up. What did you call it? I said Dora the Explorer. Dory's the fish from the yeah, Tiny yeah. Oh dear. Well, on this is what this, uh, what is it? The Pirat. Pirat's doing to me. I don't think it's oh, anything to do with oh, that. Oh, someone Ooh. needs lessons in pouring. <laughs> oh, I don't actually see you were offering to pour a beer well, at you, any point. I don't want to, you know, interrupt your vibe. Mm, I don't think it's a vibe, it's just get it in the glass, in it, really? Because I'm especially with this next one coming up. But yeah, Pirat Triple Hop. Um, actually, surprisingly pleasant for the uh, mm. like, it was okay. especially for the alcoholic volume that was in there. I mean, I was expecting like paint stripper, if I'm honest. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that was Perrette. Now, the wild card for this episode. Mm. This one is from Turning Point Brew Company and is called Milk Foley. So it's a strawberry and cream pale. Now, initially when I bought this, I thought it was going to be a stout, <laughs> and it clearly isn't. Um, it's six point three percent. Yep. <laughs> now I will sh- state straight from the off, I hate strawberries. So <laughs> this should be an interesting wild card, just to say the least. I was hoping for a different colour. I'm going to be honest. Yeah, it looks more like a uh, kind just, of traditional pale yeah, and traditional IPA, pale, really, isn't yeah. it? I was I was hoping for a red now, mist. When you, wow. I was say when they uh, taking a bit of a whiff. I mean, even I can pick that up. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of got... A, the one thing I do notice with a lot of things that say, like, milkshake or cream in the beers is... what It's just a sour. There's a sourness on the smell and generally a sourness on the taste. I mean, that may be just something I personally pick up, yeah. but it just seems no, to be a right. constant theme. And just by having the smell of that, I don't think there's... It's going to be anything different. As I say, combined with the strawberry, I'm really not expecting a lot from this whatsoever. Um, would you agree on the aroma of it? Yeah, I know what you're saying. It's got definitely got the sour smell. Okay, well, I'll let you have a quick so, swig. Um, so it says, a big sweet pale ale with lashings of strawberries and cream. A milkshake for all mankind. Suitable for vegetarians. Well, it wasn't going to be vegans, was it, with the cream in it? So, oh, your face. 
I mean, it, it's what it says on the tin. It's just not very nice. I'm not gonna lie. It, it, it oh, does, you can smell, smell the fruitiness. It smells nicer than it tastes. Oh, mm. oh dear. Yeah. So well, I can. And there is no sourness. Oh, is there in not? My, in my opinion, there isn't. Okay. It's just generally horrible. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh. Yeah. It's very creamy. Yeah. And not in a good way. No, I was uh, hoping for the strawberry a bit more. If anything, if anything, I'd say I don't like strawberries, and I think that would benefit from more strawberry. <laughs> it's it's just weird. Yeah, um, that does not work for me at all. No, I mean obviously it doesn't help following something like a triple hopped ten point five percent beer, or maybe it actually benefits from it because it could be even worse than that. To be honest, when the taste buds come back, does it save a bit for after, and we'll find out. With the um, yeah, I mean, you, it's it, the way as you drink it on your palate, it is a very, very creamy texture. It's very full-bodied, um, yeah. very understated on the strawberry. Very much so that you can you can only just about sell, like smell the strawberry. However, I think it's strongest stronger on the nose, the strawberry, yeah, but then you, the you, taste. You don't just, really pick it up. But then again, is like that because food. is that because that the that the makes, cream element of it is yeah. too much and it's not quite yeah. and it makes offset it enough. A thicker kind of milkshakey beer makes it more of a milkshake. Oh, oh. <laughs> I've, I've just uh, had some more, and I think my taste buds are coming back after the pre which I did predict well. It tastes worse. It just it doesn't know what it wants to be, and these are mm. these are the type of beers that I've mentioned many many times previously. The they they are done as a gimmick just to get you to buy them to try. It's not something you'll go to all the time. Mm. And to be fair, most people will not drink more than one can of that. The other yeah. person will think, actually, that's really nice and will drink loads of it. I mean, like, you'd look at that and go, stout, and I wouldn't even pick it up. Yeah, so I looked at it and thought, stout, I was like, that's going to annoy somebody. <laughs> so I'll buy it. Well, I genuinely think you'd actually been more exciting if it was a stout. A stout yeah, with it, some strawberry and cream in it might yeah. have actually balanced quite well. Um, yeah. It's just it's just a mismatch. There's no... It's just not well balanced. So, yes, you get that creaminess. You'd hardly get any strawberry. You get the bitterness at the end. It's just... It's just a wave. Just you know, what I mean? up and down. No, <laughs> it's very disappointing if I'm honest. Because, um, but then again, we know what these things are. That's the reason why we buy them, just because it's a uh, something random. But yeah, I don't think there's really much more I can say about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it says there's lashings of strawberries and cream in there, apparently. Well, but... it might be lashings of cream, not much <laughs> of strawberry. So, uh, right, as you are the guest. Yeah. You get to put your worst beer all the way through to your best beers. So I will let you start with your worst one. I wonder what it'll be. Mm, I wonder. It's definitely going to be the beer we have just had. <laughs> Milk Foley. Because it is uh, rancid. <laughs> I mean, to be fair though, Milk Foley is a name by on um, a wrestler, I believe. Okay. Mick Foley. Hence the whole check thing, right. and I do believe he whole, had that whole like hillbilly, dirty vibe to him. So it kind of makes sense with the beer why they've kind of done it. But well, they should have let him try it before the put game <laughs> on it. Ain't fair with the state of him. <laughs> I do think he might not even be alive anymore. Uh, but yeah. it was, it was, was a bit of a loom. You can't so. argue though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my next one is the the Parat. Okay, so Parat, the triple hop in third place. I mean, it was it was. You know, it's wheaty, but that was pretty much it for me. Okay. Uh, second place is going to be the Y Valley, Butty Back. You know, Always a classic. Yeah, really enjoyed that. Really lovely beer. And first place is going to be Northern Monk for me. Which one's this? A patron, it's a, it's a patron's one, yeah. Patron's project. Yeah, because... Which I believe it was uh, within and without. So it for was me, the that, was, that was an absolutely banging beer. Yeah, raspberry and hibiscus double IPA. Right, so um, in my order, milk foley last place. Standard. Shocker. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I'm kind of 
torn because I enjoyed the Pirat a little bit more than I expected to. Ooh. The Patrons Project was enjoyable, but it depends on whether I base it as a, a standalone thing or something I would go to on a regular basis. I suppose mm. you've got to do it well, the day, haven't you? And obviously you've got the Butty Back, which is something I always class as a, a classic beer that I would go to anyway. All right, on the day, I'm going to go for... Pratt in second. No, Pratt in third, sorry. Third. Uh, yeah, really pleasant. Uh, really enjoyable. Didn't taste it anywhere near as strong as it is. No, I'll give it that. I, uh, again, for the Belgian beers, not a, hu- not a huge fan of them. Um, Patron's product in second. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Although it was nice and different flavours and stuff like that, Again, one of those cans is enough. Oh, I would, no, I agree with that. I definitely. would not want two. But I'm a one-can guy, really. I'll only buy one can of Always this and that. One can, two can, three can floor, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> not far up. <laughs> we'll be after this. <laughs> yeah, so really, really surprising with the flavours. Uh, doesn't taste anywhere near as strong. I like the balance of the flavours. But for me, there's just something slightly off from making it perfect. And I can't quite place what it is, mm. but it's so close to being a really, really good beer. I kind of thought you wouldn't put that first, to be honest. Uh, and then, to be I'm not going to lie, Pirat and the project was quite close. It could have been the other way around as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, Butty Back, I enjoyed it. It's, it's not the most spectacular beer in the world, but it's just one of those ones it's easy drinking, it's clean, it's crisp, there's no issues. Yeah. And it's always Moorish, and I just really enjoy it. So I've always me, wanted to try and visit their brewery at some point. To be fair, cause it's, well, uh, we'll, we'll add it to the list. Add it to the list. Uh, right. So yeah, thank you very much for joining us again. That was our Christmas episode. Now, obviously, the world has gone mental yet again. So hope you keep safe. Look after yourselves. And I don't think I actually said the last in the last episode. The new format we do do monthly episodes rather than the two week format that it was before. So I look forward to speaking to you in January. And yeah, have a good Christmas and New Year. Merry Christmas. Bye.